This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 49 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host, the go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. You might know that on this show, we talk about all things that today's grandparents need and want to know about how to have a happy and healthy life for themselves and with their kids and grandkids. We are all about increasing your knowledge through fun and facts, and today is no exception. If you can come away from listening to our show with even one fact and even one thing that you found fun or funny, my work here is done. First up on the show, we're going to go back to nature. I hadn't heard the term nature sommelier until I discovered Jacob Rodenberg's new book, The Book of Nature Connection, 70 Sensory Activities for All Ages. I love having my grandkids outside for walks and forest explorations, as do their parents. But as they are getting older, besides getting them some fresh air and letting them see the world around us, it's a terrific opportunity for learning as well. The book is full of fun facts and a multitude of activities for every one of your senses. Come on, don't you want to run a mystery smell sideshow? After a long walk with the grandkids, I'm often reaching for a snack, and so are they. It's so tempting to give them a cookie or something easy, but that's not always especially healthy. It's okay once in a while, but do you know what you're grabbing for and what the differences are between the snacks on the market for kids? Friend of the show, Rose Reisman, is back with us with her popular choose-it-or-lose-it comparisons when it comes to kids' snacks. One of the longest walks you'll take with your kids or grandkids is that one when they walk out the front door, ready to take on a post-secondary adventure. Are your grandkids heading to the U.S. to continue their studies? There are extra considerations, including financial ones, that you'll want to know about and share with their parents. Our Take 5 with RV series delves into that today. Maybe you're making dandelion tea today to get ready in the mood. Whatever it is, sit back and get ready for a great half hour with this episode of Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and I'm talking with Jacob Rodenberg next. Jacob Rodenberg is an award-winning educator with a master's in education who has taught in the field of outdoor education for more than 30 years. He is currently the executive director of Camp Kawartha, a summer camp, outdoor, and environmental education center. He teaches several courses at Trent University in environmental education. Jacob has published many articles on children, nature, and the environment. Recently, Jacob co-authored an award-winning book called The Big Book of Nature Activities with naturalist Drew Monkman and has just released a new book called The Book of Nature Connection. Good morning, Jacob. Thanks so much for joining the show today. My pleasure. Nice to be here. So I really enjoyed your book. I have two grandsons who are two and a half and one year old. And right now I'm sort of just taking them out on little foresty hikes. They're not really learning so much from me with this book. So you have so many great activities that I can take them through for all five senses. So I read with interest in your introduction that in North America, the average child spends close to seven hours and 50 minutes in front of their devices per day. So this book is very important right now. Why is connecting to nature so important in today's world, Jacob? Well, if you think about it, uh, with kids hunched behind computer screens, what are they not doing? They're not playing outside. And there's been a huge rise in mental illness in children, 
becoming almost an epidemic. One in five kids are suffering from some form of either loneliness or depression or anxiety. And it turns out that simply being in nature, even for a brief amount of time, boosts their serotonin level. That's the feel-good hormone. So when kids are outside playing in nature, they feel more positive, more energized. And, in fact, when they come back, they're happier, they cooperate more, they're more focused. So why not? And the average child, too, spends about 20 minutes a day of active outdoor play compared to, you know, 25, 30 years ago when they would have spent a couple of hours in outdoor play. The more we get kids connected to nature, being active, the healthier they'll be. And here's something I'm going to postulate, that our kids feeling lonely because they feel disconnected from the very life systems that nourish and support us. I think we all yearn to connect to something bigger. And what is bigger than the natural systems, nature? I think that's a terrific point. And, you know, throughout the book, you are while you're leading us through all of these terrific exercises, activities, information, and knowledge, you refer to yourself as a nature sommelier, and I love that term. How did you come up with that, and why do you call yourself that? Because I really appreciate the effort that a sommelier, that's someone who really loves and appreciates wine, goes to to know wine. You know, they'll take a glass of wine, and they'll roll it over their tongue, and they say, oh, that feels velvety. The smell is robust. The color is deep red and burgundy. And they use all kinds of evocative words to describe wine, and they fully engage their senses. And I bet because they do that, they appreciate wine even more. So my argument is if we go outside with all of our senses tuned and primed, we practice sensory awareness just like a sommelier we'll feel more connected to nature and we'll feel better. And, you know, it's funny when you, you're right, when I started reading the book, um, you mentioned that usually we just, we see things, we hear them, and we might smell them, but maybe we're distracted and we're not doing that so much. So you take us through the five senses. So what are the simple things we can do to reconnect using each of those senses? Yeah, sure. So one of the simplest things you can, and by the way, when you're hunched over a computer, you're right. Everything's hermetically sealed in a small screen window. It's in two dimensions, and you're only hearing and seeing things. Um, And some people have argued that because only two of our senses are activated, we are experiencing a measure of sensory anesthesia. So, yeah, let's practice our senses by going outside. The first thing you can do, and you can do that right now, Kathy, is take your two hands and cup your fingers together and push your ears forward. And just by doing that, you hear 10 times better. And if you go outside and really listen to the natural sounds that are out there, you begin to tune in to what was once a wall of sound that begins to resolve itself. So, for example, maybe you'll hear, call of the chickadee. Or maybe you'll hear the call of the morning dove, and I'm just going to try to do that. So you learn after a while a few mnemonics or memory devices to help you remember the sound. And by tuning in to those different bird songs and learning about birds, and you begin to realize the forest is full of characters, and you are never alone when you go for a walk. So first thing, uh, put your ears on and listen. You can become a sophisticist. That's someone who gets really great words at have at a yeah. cocktail party. <laughs> a therapist is someone who can tell you sort of what 
tree it is by the sound the wind makes as it sweeps through the branches. So white pine sounds differently from a poplar, which sounds differently from a trembling aspen. And uh, maybe you can practice being a sotheracist with your grandchildren. But also going out and taking with you some of my seasonal color wheels. And there, if you and I can distinguish over one million different shades of color. And in the springtime and late summer, there's so many shades of green. And so you take your color wheel out and you try to match the colors on the color wheel. So that's something you can do to increase. It's not just a smear of green, but that, again, begins to resolve itself into cedars and pines and, you know, plants like ferns and mosses. All the ha- they all have a different shade. So now we, then we can also obviously go through the different smells, and you have activities that like the smell sideshow um, that you yeah. talk about. Taste, you actually include some things how we can, you know, make a few simple recipes and simple things that we can taste in the woods as well. Yeah, sure. Then the forest is full of wonder. We want to be careful with that, and we only yeah, ever absolutely. want to do yeah. it when we're totally sure it's safe. Like, you can make some lovely white pine tea or cedar mm-hmm. tea, and always when you're eating from the wild, you just do a little bit at first. But for smell, you take a sponge, and you wet your grandchild's upper lip. And by doing moistening the upper lip, you actually can enhance your sense of smell, so you smell better. And then go through the forest and harvest little bits, maybe a little moss, a little earth, a little cedar, put it into a cup with a swivel stick, and you created a beautiful smell cocktail. You'd be impressed at all the different smells that are out there in nature. Even a little rub and sniff, so gently rubbing bark and sniffing or rubbing pine needles and sniffing or hemlock or pine. It's just the forest is replete with beautiful smells. Smell is one of our most evocative senses. It's directly connected to our, our memories. So if you smell, let's say, fresh baked bread, you can be transported back into your aunt's kitchen. So, yeah, you smell. Well, I would encourage everyone to sniff out a copy, isn't that good, of your book, which is called The Nature Connection. And all of these, I, I've got so many um, pages earmarked for things to do with my grandkids. Um, your website is campclarissa.ca. Your social media handle is Jacob Rodenberg. And we can find you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I'm going to end, Jacob, with something you wrote in your book, which I loved, which is, it is a wonderful law of physics that no two people can occupy the same space at the same time. You are the only one to be in this space at this time. Your view of the world is completely unique. Celebrate this beautiful perspective that you and only you are privileged to be part of. It was a privilege speaking with you, Jacob. Thank you so much for joining the show today. My great pleasure, Kathy. Thanks for inviting me all the time. Thank you. Rose Reisman is an award-winning entrepreneur, caterer, author, and media personality, not to mention a mother of four and grandmother of four. As a registered nutritional consultant and a personal specialist trainer armed with an MBA, Rose has taken her passion for healthy living and developed it into a multifaceted enterprise, making her one of Canada's leading authorities on the art of eating and living well. Good morning, Rose Reisman. Thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, always a pleasure, Kathy. How are you? I'm great. So I follow you, obviously, on Instagram, and I saw you talking about your Choose It or Lose It series, where you basically look at healthier alternatives. And so it started me thinking about, okay, I've been out with the grandkids all afternoon. We're starving. I go to grab a snack. What should I be choosing? And maybe what should I not be choosing when I'm looking for something, you know, quick to give them? Right. I mean, look, the easiest thing is always something I call it ultra-processed. And, you know, that means anything like cookies, cakes, you know, sweet yogurt, 
juices, veggie chips, those things are the ones we, I, as I say, I don't like to use the word uh, never have, but the ones to minimize. Because, you know, you don't need, you know, the color, the additives, the chemicals, and the lack of nutrients. So certain things I love is trail mix. So I might just take something like goldfish, right? The whole wheat goldfish are actually fine, not tons of fiber or protein, but to that I might add some dried fruit, some nuts if the kids don't have nut allergies, make it a little fun. You can even throw in a small sprinkle of some mini chocolate chips in there because that always gets them going. So giving them something like an alternative like that is great. Put it into little Ziploc recyclable baggies for them. The other thing is like good old fruit and cheese and cut it up, right, because kids don't love whole fruit so much. So some sliced apples, you can just soak in a little bit of lemon juice or salt and water before. Give them a cheese string with it. There you have a protein. You've got vegetable. You've got fiber. And the key is to keep your kids satisfied and to keep them full, not to have their blood sugar, you know, uh, spike up. Yeah, I think that's key. I also think what you're talking about in terms of having it prepared, because, you know, we walk into the kitchen, oh, here's a packaged granola bar or, you know, a package. It's so easy. But if we have, as you mentioned, little Ziploc bags full of trail mix or cut fruit, we're more likely to eat it as well, right? As adults, we're tempted to grab the unhealthy stuff as well. And, you know, Kathy, sometimes there is a time for prepackaged because it's just easier. And I know that I'll go to Costco and I'll buy sometimes some of the products um, from Make So Good. I like some of their little granola balls. They're not bad at all. The kids love them. They taste a bit like a chocolate chip cookie, but healthier. I love the seaweed snacks that Costco sells from Kirkland. The kids seem to love those seaweed snacks. I'm always surprised. But it's not true. Yeah, my, my so two-year-old true. grandson loves them. Loves I know. The seaweed. And you think looking at them, they're black, they're a little, you know, they're funny looking. Yeah. Like wouldn't relate, but that's another great thing to have. They also have some fruit snacks and not the ones where it's a roll-out, you know, candy fruit. This is really dehydrated fruit, and you never worry about calories with kids. It's great calories. Usually they just add a little bit of maple syrup if they need any sweetener. So those things are good to have on hand. And then veggies, um, carrots, cucumber, celery cut up, and some hummus with it. Kids often like hummus as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, definitely. My Again, my grandsons who are um, being raised vegan, these are all great options for them as well, too. Like the hummus they love, the seaweed, all of that. So it doesn't have, it sounds like it might be tricky, a quick snack for a vegan right. grandchild. It's really not. <laughs> right, absolutely. And again, always have like chopped fruit or berries. Kids love berries. Um, I put some fruit just again into a small little baggie. And, you know, on a car ride, I'm taking all my, my daughter's three kids in the car with me. They each have their own little baggie of some berries, some strawberries. And if you're going to give them yogurt and with fruit, you know, if, if you buy the products, you know, like, uh, yeah, I hate to mention names, but if you buy products with mostly sugar and very little protein, you're not doing anything for your kid. You're just giving them a sugar fix. Your best bet is to buy those small Greek yogurts, okay. which have so much protein in it. And, yeah, there's sugar because of the fruit. But you know what? Uh, most kids don't like to have just plain yogurt, so I'll get some vanilla Greek yogurt for my grandkids or strawberry yogurt, and don't buy the ones with artificial sweeteners. It's better they have, you know, a little bit of sugar with it. But if your child or grandchildren will eat plain Greek yogurt, then throw berries in it. Throw even, you know, put a couple teaspoons of maple syrup in to sweeten it up. That is really a great snack for them without increasing the sugar amount. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. And actually, just as an aside, there are some great vegan yogurts out there as well. Yeah. So, uh, again, a really good alternative. My grandsons are will eat blocks of tofu by the handful, which oh I have God. to admit does, is not really appealing to me. But they no. love, so you never know until you try either, right? Yeah, and and they eat it like how? Just plain like that? Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's unusual, Kathy. <laughs> they know, they I might mean, sprinkle some nutritional yeast on it, but generally wow. they have it. I know. That's, a, that's um, amazing. It's amazing, and it's easy. Like I said, I get the, all these ideas like this from my daughter, who's vegan as well. Um, this right. seems like an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it. Why are unhealthy snacks detrimental for kids? Though? You know, look at the ingredient list, number one. So if we're talking about fruit, what's in fruit? One ingredient. You know, when you look yeah. at any of these packages, look on the back. Usually the first or second ingredient is sugar, fructose, corn syrup. That's why. So they're getting sugar, you know, second or third. They're getting most likely white flour, which gives them no fiber, no protein. They get color often in it. Now, sometimes like the veggie straws, they have all dehydrated vegetables, and there is no color added, so that's a good thing. But dehydrated vegetables, I mean, you know, you're mixing it with cornstarch, potato starch, rice starch, so you're just getting a starchy Mm -hmm. vegetable. So, you know, when you buy these packaged goods, read how many ingredients there are, then ask yourself, like in like sugar snap peas or harvest snaps, you know, they look like sugar snap peas if you've eaten them, but they're not. All they are is they take up a real bean, they take a green bean, they mash it up, and they mix it with rice flour, canola oil and salt. So you're not really getting, I mean, you're, right. you're, you're getting some part of vegetable, which is good, but just read the ingredients and that will tell you the whole picture, Kathy. Well, I love this and we have to continue to pay attention to labels and we also have to continue to pay attention to your YouTube channel, which is artoflivingwell.ca as well as um, your website, livingwell.ca and of course along with nutritional advice and and terrific recipes. You also provide us with now your new personal training tips, which I also love. You've got it all going on. (laughs) <laughs> and if people want every day I give a tip on a food, um, just go to the Instagram at Rose Reisman, and every day you'll learn something new. <laughs> I love it, and every day I do. Thank you so much for coming Thank on the you, show, Kat. Rose. It's, it's always pleasure. a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Marlene Atzori has more than 30 years of experience as a cross-border expert, both personally and professionally. Since the inception of RBC USA over 18 years ago, She has led with advice, sharing the benefits of the unique cross-border banking while serving as the voice to the consumer, families, snowbirds, expats, students, and individuals who travel, work, and live in the U.S. Good morning, Marlene. Thanks for being back on the show. So I don't have a student in my family headed to the U.S., but I know you have one, and you've also seen and helped quite a few out over the years. Is there a checklist you have, and can you recommend it? Thanks, Kathy. And yes, there is a checklist I use and recommend. And it focuses on three key areas of consideration. One, before you go. Two, getting there. And three, once you are in the U.S., to maintain compliant legal and tax status. And of course, convenient banking. Before you go, there are key documents required. One, student status. Upon enrollment, the school provides the students with an I-20 certificate. With the subject of study, and the duration of the course. It collects necessary financial support and identification documentation for admission. This includes proof of ability to pay for school fees and living expenses. It also registers the student with CIVIS, the U.S. Government Student Tracking System. And the CIVIS number is also used for both eligibility requirements and visa applications. 
Two, getting there is just as important as there are required U.S. border immigration paperwork. When crossing to the United States, students will need to show a few things at Port of Entry. Their Canadian passport and or nexus, the original I-20 certificate, proof of Canadian residency, then once approved and admitted, the student will receive an I-94 record, which is their record of legal status as a student in the United States and attached to their passport and nexus. Remember, when traveling between U.S. and Canada, students must take their I-20 and other visa documents with them for any crossings. Wow, this is a great checklist so far. Um, What else should be considered before heading to the U.S. for school? Well, health care and finances are two other key considerations that immediately come to mind. It is important for Canadian students studying abroad to be sufficiently insured. Find out if their school requires or offers international student health insurance programs before they begin their academic year. Kathy, keep in mind, health coverage provided by the student's home province of residence will not be sufficient, and it will not pay for the cost of U.S. health care, which could require them to return back to Canada for non-emergency care. So it is vital to check with your student's school for health insurance requirements and coverage offered. As for finances, a U.S. bank account and credit card are also important. It's a good idea for students to open up a U.S. domiciled bank account. And while they may be opening this upon arrival in the U.S., I always recommend to open a U.S.-based account with RBC Bank, which will allow them the ease to pay their expenses, including rent, tuition, books, meals, transportation, and much more, and accessibility to cash at ATMs. Another plus is having the easy access for cross-border transfers. Our cross-border banking account bundle also includes a U.S.-based credit card, which is convenient for day-to-day. But they're often required to secure a cell phone plan, an apartment, a rent-a-car. I also recommend setting it up and using the credit card at least once or twice ahead of time to ensure the U.S. system recognizes the card and the cardholder. Wow, these are great tips. Any final considerations for while the students are actually in the U.S.? Finally, but most importantly, every international student should consider consulting a cross-border tax advisor. As an international student, you may be required to file taxes even if there's no income generated while in the United States. For example, maybe a taxable scholarship or grant. The forms required are available through the IRS site. And typically, the deadline for filing is the same as any U.S. tax return that's due April 15th. Compliance with the IRS is one of the conditions of the student visa. And if a student wants to get a job in the U.S. in future, the handling of U.S. taxes can affect future green card or any other visa entry applications. It's well worth working with an accountant or a tax filing service to help make filing U.S. taxes easy and worry-free. RBC Bank does offer partners to also help with cross-border tax and legal advice. Thank you so much for this very valuable Take 5 with RBC segment, Marlene. Truly appreciate it. And if our listeners want more information, they can go to rbcbank.com slash students. Thanks again, Marlene. Thank you again, Kathy, for the opportunity. Does anyone remember the cookie confection wagon wheel? How about that pink popcorn that came in a box with the elephant on the front? 
How about when Rice Krispie squares were something you made on the stove, not took out of a box? Snack foods have changed a lot, but trying to keep our grandkids healthy hasn't. I think even Rose would say it's okay to indulge once in a while, but the key is knowing what we're putting in our bodies and in theirs. So keep checking those labels and balance the Dunkaroos with something that came directly out of the ground once in a while. Thanks to Jason for telling us what we can find out there in the woods, in the ground, for and from all of our senses. I can't wait to take his book along on my next grandkid hike. Next week is our 50th episode. I'm so excited. I'm gathering 50 reasons why being a grandparent is so well grand. If you have some thoughts you want to send in, do it now. There's still time for you and others to hear it on the show. I want the sappy and the silly, the good and the great. I'll start sharing them next week. While we're in a celebratory mood, we're also going to spark up the bubbly as today's bride editor-in-chief, Amy Bealby, takes us through what a wedding for two grandparents could look like. Are there protocols? Are we making them up as we go along? If you're looking for ideas on how to make your grand day even more special, we have them for you. I'm a self-confessed book geek, and one of my favorite authors, the best-selling Jane Corey, is going to be joining me to tell me all about her latest book, We All Have Our Secrets. But more importantly, her column in the massive UK publication, My Weekly, Diary of a Modern Graham. And guess what? I'm going to be interviewed in an upcoming column of hers, too. I love this community. It spreads all the way to England, of course. Grandparents all over the world think about how to legacy plan for their grandchildren. Is an RESP contribution the best way to go? Or should we be exploring other options, such as a trust? Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this Take 5 with RBC discussion. Thanks for stopping in today. I hope we'll see you back next week. In the meantime, you can always find older episodes on the podcast. Just look for Go To Grandma where you find your favorite podcast. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma on Zoomer Radio. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her, Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.